quite dangerous. It's dangerous. Um, always dangerous. Yeah, always dangerous on the minefield. Yeah, we are uh, getting ready to do an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. It is a season four, episode eight, Future Imperfect. Um, I am Colin, as usual, and this is my best friend, Joshua Michael. I am, in fact, your best friend. <laughs> would you say that you're a noteworthy best, best friend? Uh, I would say I'm a noteworthy, at least uh, uh, a footnote in the footnote. history of Colin. <laughs> yeah, we're just being silly because we had a very long interview tonight uh, with a good buddy of ours, Macho Man. And uh, I made a dumb joke twice, and I'm carrying it over into this uh, noteworthy joke. Noteworthy. Anyway, uh, yeah, Future Imperfect. You know, I I always really, really liked this episode, and it occurs to me, um, I've got a photo of me with a very specific prop from this episode that I guess might be worth using as our uh, as our title card for this one. However, there's a lot to be taken from this. What episode? What what year? What season? Season four, episode eight. Uh Future Imperfect, and it was, uh, nope, that's the year the episode takes place. It was uh, 1990, 1990. Man, I wasn't even in high school yet. Nope, I didn't even have first hair on ball on then. <laughs> I, I, Dude, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I can, I can I literally tell you the memory. Uh, the We just moved into our apartment. Are you going to tell me a pubic hair story? Yes, on, yes, I'm literally telling you that. Star Trek. Okay. Yes. Like, go, yeah, okay. Yeah. Go for it. So we just moved to our place in Alaska. It's 1992, and uh, I was uh, taking a shit, and I looked down, and I saw a little sprout. <laughs> I'm not telling any stories like that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a little sprout of a of a uh, of a microbe of a pube, and I was a man that day. <laughs> yeah, that's what it took. That's it was it my took. pube. It was my pube mitzvah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are never any Jewish people in Star Trek that I'm aware of. Like, why out of all of it, you've got you've got like two, you've got one Middle Eastern person in Deep Space Nine. You've got a handful of people from India spread across next generation or next next uh or the original series, sorry, and then you've got uh you've got uh Han, of course, who is yeah. quantifiably Indian. Uh, not that many Mexicans. No, not that, is Khan uh, Indian because his last name has like nothing but consonants. Khan <laughs> uh, Nunyan Singh. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's Indian. Yeah, I really liked. I don't know. That's too too much to go into. But uh, yeah, the uh, the whole business of. Uh, them casting Benedict Cumberbatch in the uh, reboots to the J.J. Abrams Star Trek Into Darkness, I really liked that I liked that he played that character uh, and then they, if you read the uh, con comics that come out from that time period uh, pertaining to that, they they did a lot of uh, uh, like plastic surgery or they did whatever they had to do to make him not look like what he traditionally looked like. At least that's why they explained that he looked like Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, fascinating. Anyway, just all right. Hot, just a hot English guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got his he's got his moments. He was very nice to me. Nice to me. Very nice to me. I knew him right before uh, right before Into Darkness came out. Sherlock. No, I wasn't. So you, you knew him when he was still doing. Yeah, he was still Sherlock doing Sherlock. Sherlock hadn't come out yet? It was on. Yeah, Sherlock had been on. Yeah. I hadn't seen any of it yet. He was a total sweetheart. Loved it. He, we worked on August Osage County together, which I'm not telling anybody to rush out and see because it is a real downer of a show, but um, some killer performances for damn sure. August teach... Osage County, a.k.a. Total Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had to teach Abigail Breslin how to smoke, and I don't even smoke. That was How old was she when she was when you thought that? Fourteen. Her character, like, there was a whole deleted scene. I guess there's a whole scene where she's up in the attic smoking uh, the reefer with um, 
Wacky to wacky. Yeah, with their their, I can't say this any differently than this. Their their Indian house, or like maid, um, and uh, or caretaker. I guess it is. They they hired a caretaker, but uh, yeah. Hey, you know what? This is not Star Trek related. Let's carry on. Let's carry <laughs> on. I I had to teach Abigail Breslin how to smoke, and uh, the scene didn't even make it into the movie. So smoke smoke cigarettes smoke cigarettes yeah but they were these it was funny because my props master was like how did i get two assists who are so bad at rolling joints and uh <laughs> i was like because i just don't do this stuff man i don't have any idea couldn't roll a cigarette couldn't roll a joint uh which has nothing nothing to do with this episode um yeah i've always liked this episode it's uh it's a. Uh, it's another in a long line of episodes where everything's back to normal at the end, more or less. Uh, and um, they got to fiddle with the uniforms just a little bit, just to give us a little bit of an alternate reality. Let's get into it. We're going to watch it. You ready? I love a, I love a good Riker episode. And guys, we're watching it on Netflix. Mm. We're uh, queuing it at 000. Um, let us know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I gotta turn on. I gotta remember to turn on the captions, subtitles, captions, because uh, nobody's watching this to uh, actually watch it. They're watching it to hear our commentary. I feel like I have to say that so CBS doesn't come down on us. All right, all right. We're gonna we're gonna start in uh, three, two, one. Engage. Nothing like a good captain's log. <laughs> yeah. God, it is so crisp on on Netflix. Why did Hulu fuck that up? I don't even... Man, I don't know. Gosh, <laughs> look at Gates McFadden. Oh, I know, right? This is one of those awesome gags, like... Let's see if it's... <laughs> Was that a dick joke? <laughs> I can't remember uh, if it's this episode. Oh, here we go. What did you wish for? He totally flubbed the line, and they rent went with it because the reactions were so pure. That's awesome. He could not come up with what he was supposed to say, and he said it. Everybody just did it, and it worked out. It was really great. Oh, I hate the way that guy's standing. It's like just here's just my too belly. tall. <laughs> yeah. I am fully erect, Captain. It's kind of amazing that <laughs> they my didn't posture. actually have data or somebody from the main cast doing that scene or doing that moment because I mean they just you know, when you when you have a background actor do a line say a line like that. If they're not SAG, then they're automatically going to get a SAG card, or, or not a SAG card, but a uh, a SAG voucher that gets them closer to being SAG. Hey, no big deal. I mean, you get people into uh, the Screen Actors Guild any way you can, but um, they suddenly have to bump that guy's pay. Picard couldn't have waited like an hour for the away team. <laughs> Just to I don't do it know. now. You know, that's interesting. Exactly. Like, why wouldn't they just let the party in? That's a good question. I guess, oh, well, it's Romulans. We're concerned about Romulans, so. Yeah. They are near the neutral zone. Who would you take on your away team? Ah, oh, what a great question. I mean, you don't go anywhere without data. Never anywhere without data. Uh, unquestionably. If I if I had my run of next generation Starfleet personnel, I mean you don't go anywhere without data. I mean you got data, Jordy, and Worf right there, and you're Riker. I mean you have a solid, solid away team. That's, Despite that's the, the fact, best possible away team right there that doesn't need an empath or a medic. Despite the fact that Worf gets knocked out with one punch, like, every time. <laughs> he takes a lot. Yeah, he gets KO'd for the dumbest reasons all of the time. I wish that that wasn't the case. I'd pick Riker, Data. I'd pick Riker, Data, and 
Tasha Yar, and with my standby Wesley Crusher to like randomly engineer something to save my ass. That's the thing, though. I mean, Wesley has no business leaving the ship if he's a if he's a con Edison or a oh my god, I just said con Edison. Uh, if he's a if he a, a con yeah, I get Edison. it. You've been to New York. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, that came out of nowhere. Sorry, a con ensign. <laughs> um, yeah, this is wacky. Riker's literally choking on methane there. <laughs> there have been reports of people that have like farted themselves to death in their tiny apartment with no ventilation. I wouldn't put it past anybody. Alyssa's got some different hair in this episode. Now, take note of his com badge. Oh, yeah. The com badges are where the rank is now, not on the collars. Interesting. Now, so one of the one of the fun things I got to mess with when I was doing the auction was uh, we found those com badges, and they were that we had like two fishing tackle boxes that had a lot of little pins and things that were separated out. And I don't know if they were left over from the series or if Mike and Denise just thought that would be a good way to do things or whatever. But, um, so yeah, there were lots of 10 and five year pins and the lozenges and stuff that you see on the uh, uniforms for all the, uh, feature films, Starfleet. And then, but like com badges, everybody was always like, Oh, can we get a com badge? I want a com badge. Like, I, there's not that many going around. So consequently, and I know I've said this in, in another episode, was uh, that uh, in the uh, there were some episodes of Voyager where the Kazon captured Voyager, picked the entire crew off on a planet, and ran away with the ship. And they all wore Starfleet com badges so they could keep in contact with one another everywhere they were on the ship. So we found a bunch of really pristine com badges on Kazon uniforms in the Kazon section, and those were generally yes. the ones that we would, you know, send away with an auction. Kazon but, section, like, 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 would you guys have like a big room full of uh, this episode, or yes, uh, you had two-story tall bays. Uh, that ran the length of the warehouse and you would climb up into one bay and they'd be like, here's the entire Kazon costume collection or here's the Hirogen or here's all the Klingons. And you knew the Klingons got used all over the place. But right. uh, the Kazon were used all over the place for like two or three seasons and then made, you know, occasional reappearances for one reason or another, time travel or memories or something like that. But... um we did have, I believe, one... Strangely enough, you could come up with stuff that said Troy on it. So if you look at Dr. Crusher's com badge sticking out right there, you yeah. can, like I say, and, and you can look at Captain Riker here. You Her see how is... the, the, the rank is in the four bars, and they're painted yeah. gold, and they're silver where they're absent of rank. But on the back side, these are all Velcroed on. So when you see one where somebody isn't, where they pull the com badge off and set it on the desk or whatever, and there's nothing holding it there, they did magnets. It was magnetized, generally. But um, someone would go in with a Sharpie and write the name of the character. A lot of times it was the name of the character. because It was either like whatever name was shorter. It could have been Gates. You saw Gates, or you saw Wesley, or you saw Troy. Or you saw Riker because, you know, I don't know whether nobody was calling him Frakes, I guess. But uh, so we had Troy's com badge. The sad thing was that pieces of it had broken off on one side or another. I mean, we just didn't have that many of those com badges from this episode that were um, fully intact. Could you not like super gloom or was that like something that a collector would be pissed off about? See that was a great. That's an an another excellent question. To me, if I found it in the condition that it was in, that was the condition I wanted to sell it as. I never thought of it as being a sale either. It was always an auction. I never wanted it. They they always said you're selling it off. You're selling off all this stuff. I was like, I'm auctioning it. Okay, guys. Well, I, and it, 
at if, the same time, though, there's been times where I've been to comic book stores and found a comic. I've, I have three or four of like a she number one or a random mm-hmm. issue of Dawn. And I was like, uh, you don't belong here. You belong in a good home. I will find a good home for you. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, is that is that what you're thinking instead of auction? Like you're just finding a good home for lost Star Trek relics that well, needed a place that would be cherished. Yes, because otherwise the assets were all going to be liquidated and a lot of them were destroyed. And now, I unfortunately had to participate in destroying things because we could not maintain them in the amount of in the amount of uh functional space that we had to work with. Um and that's just really regretful. I I just I've never felt so I've never felt good about that part of it. Well, well, let's feel good about this. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about let's let's talk about what's going on right here. In regards to your uh, uh, comments about how the ranking is now in the com badge, uh, can you imagine the amount? Of, because obviously, if you're listening to this, and we don't have to say spoilers because you're wanting some more information, mm-hmm. um, you know the Romulans are controlling the simulation for Riker, and yeah. they had to think that up oh yeah totally Ah, oh, i made a game card of her because having oh, a Klingon in starfleet another Klingon in starfleet is just awesome yeah but the fact that the romulans would anticipate how they would redesign their costs their uh-huh. their uniforms it's only 12 years kids. you know it's crazy like it, when you watch and look even look at the uh the, the uh, door. graphics on the door there yeah yep there's a lot of little tweaks but you know, how much do the Rom- the Romulans know everything about Starfleet? I, there's no real there's no real secrets from the Romulans. When you've got Romulans only- that compose as Vulcans, there's no way you can hide everything from them. So like it's the, the little tweaks that they could do on the Enterprise D, even supposedly twelve years later, supposedly twelve years later, goes a long way. And also the fact that even though he's only 12 years older, his uh, gray streaks are perfectly just combed to the side as if he grew it out on purpose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even look at, like, above the, uh, above all of the situation monitors back there. I mean, they changed the color palettes. They didn't change. Oh yeah, look at that. You've got the displays on the on the sides of the hull there, or the sides of and the bulkheads. And you've got a Ferengi. <laughs> you've got Prot the Ferengi, yeah. That's that's interesting though, that that the Romulans, knowing what they know, um would anticipate them actually integrating Ferengi into the Federation. And the fact that data is in a different oh, he's shade in of command costume. Red, yeah. He's in command red. And those don't look like boots. Boots? Where did you see boots? I didn't see boots. Because it, like, it will... Hmm. Interesting they don't huh. have a Data board. gave him the okay. Yeah, uh, it's clear that Data's got to be in in command here at this point. Oh wow, there's a little Rom- I never noticed that there's a little Romulan uh, uh, model on the desk in front of Picard. No shit. I don't know why I've never noticed that in all the viewings I've ever had of this. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that that was probably one of the playmates. Uh, toys models that they by this point they definitely had those like that was the only one we ever had my brother had got that for his birthday or for Christmas and for whatever reason that was the only one of those we ever got hmm. I kind of I like that Dr. Crusher left her lab coat behind she usually traipses around the ship all over the place with her lab coat but Here we have a totally new officer, uh, admiral's uh, <laughs> uniform. Just because we gotta it. have a different one, and every time a new admiral shows up, 
At least there's a, a minimal glittery gold. Yeah, I know. It gets more and more reduced the uh, the farther you go, or the farther you go into like Deep Space Nine and stuff. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm noticing for the first time, maybe it's because Netflix is so clear. Look at Admiral Picard's com badge. He has a little cluster on it. He has a little star he cluster. Absolutely does. And it's gold. His his com badge is gold. <laughs> huh. I gotta say, that is some knockout hair work on him. Because you know his hair isn't that long, and then the beard and everything. Yeah, bullshit. Romy is impressed with anything Federation does. Yeah, it's kind of funny. They uh, introduced the holodeck, and they were always like, oh, yeah, the Romulans think this is an interesting technology that they don't have. And then, pow, here in this season, they've clearly mastered it in only five seasons or something. Because, Or, I guess, four, since they appear at the end of the first season? I can't recall. And, first. Uh, yeah. I'm doing good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, way to go. Way to keep up. <laughs> I'm a little... I'm, I'm messed up because I'm watching uh, Deep Space Nine for all of our viewers and subscribers, our listeners and, and friends and MFers. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> so it's kind of... It's kind of uh, trying to maintain two, two chronologies simultaneously. Shit, if I was a Romulan, I would have just gotten Riker laid right away. And that's not a I'd joke. Go a long way <laughs> towards getting you what you want, probably. <laughs> well, if you want to put him in a good good mood and not worry about anything suspicious, yeah, get this asshole laid. I gotta say, his I, eyes stand out. Captain Riker's eyes are like really blue in this episode. He looks fantastic, though. I mean, despite the fact that... He's an Adonis. Yeah, he's... I mean, Jonathan Frakes is a... fully realized man. He just... This looks really good here. And then, just, you know, he's put on some weight in his later years, and that's a-okay, but... And then there's this kid. I have a son. Dude... This kid was in a bunch of stupid Disney movies, I swear to God. Oh, he was in tons of things in the 90s. He was a teen actor, pretty much. I'm trying to... Let me look it up. Was he, like, in that movie Blank Check or something like that? Like... <laughs> um, I'm not sure about that, but... Was he a, was he a mighty duck? <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. Leave me with my son so I can yell at him. <laughs> Chris Chris Demetral. He's 42. Oh my gosh, he is identically my age. What's he in? He was on Dream On. Oh, he was the son in Dream On. Yeah. That's what I remember. I remember like watching a commercial on HBO back when they were advertising Dream On. He it, like the, he asked his dad like What's an orgasm? And then like, watch Dream On this Friday. <laughs> man, yeah, that show was ridiculous. We watched, ah, oh, man, Dream On. I don't even like to think about that show for some reason. It just feels really? like it was just trying so hard for edgy HBO sex comedy. It was know? really bad, dude. And like as a, uh, a preteen, there was not enough. Uh, like it was one of those things where when you're watching HBO, it like, 1 a.m. and I'm not trying to be lurid, but you're watching HBO or Cinemax when 1 1:30 a.m. and everyone's asleep and you just happen to have it in your room and it says this show is rated MA and oh I remember waiting, that yeah you're just you're just waiting for the strong sexual content and just time to lube up <laughs> and the dream on never delivered no oh, no I mean it was occasionally a little TNA but that was about it yeah. He was but in Sometimes They Come Back, which is an adaption oh. of a Stephen King's story. And I remember being creeped the F out by 
some stuff that happened in that uh, pertaining to actor Robert Russler, who I got to know uh, in the first couple of movies I ever did. He was, uh, let's see, Robert Russler was in some Babylon 5 episodes, and he was in uh, uh, Weird Science opposite, like playing, he was the guy that was running around with Robert Downey Jr. Right. This is this is such a good dynamic, and and, and what what they're the Romulans are really reading their minds. Like, of course, you're not going to nip a Troy because we all know that's not going to happen. But this sort of conversation is the linchpin to convince you that where you are is truly where you are. Yeah, from no, yeah, no kidding. It's kind of rough. Like, okay, you go back to um, uh, the episode where. We were just looking at the list a second ago. There's the episode that happened, I thought it was done during the writer's strike, uh, with Zarda, if I'm not mistaken. The Enterprise comes to the planet, and the uh, alien, or the people are all freaking out there because the time of Zarda has approached them. It's been a thousand years. They made a deal with the devil. Devils do, obviously. That's the name of the episode. And she shows up in Captain Picard's quarters and is like, I could be anything you want me to be to get you to you know, go the direction I want you to go, and he, or she appears to him as a lusty Deanna Troy, which suddenly... I, I remember that. You remember that? Have you seen that one? I, 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 I well, I assume I, I've seen it because mm-hmm. it makes sense, but I swear I've seen it in an actual episode, but that would be something to always fool him. Exactly, and it, it, it weirds me out to think that Captain Picard would have any kind of a desire for Counselor Troy, but then I remember seeing this episode, he's got a Horgon on his desk, wow, okay, that little What's statue that? there is, uh, the, uh, the, it is an icon from Risa, the pleasure planet, that uh, you you set it out there when you want to uh, have Jamaharan with somebody. Oh. Kind of so makes perfect sense that Riker would have that. But honestly, I don't know if I'd have it sitting it's out some... if my wife was two years in the in the ground. Yeah, but it, it's summoning some snoo-snoo. <laughs> some snoo-snoo. For all of our Futurama friends. Anyway, what I was getting at, it just creeps me out, this idea that they kind of occasionally alluded to Captain Picard maybe having a thing for Troy, but then it always weirded me out. Like, I wondered if maybe it was a concern that Riker might have for that, you know? Maybe she would go away with him if if the opportunity presented itself. But just a character exploration that they didn't go too far with. It would have been interesting if they'd rather than give him the longer, you know, toilet bowl long hair mm-hmm. to have him be completely bald and in and completely discriminable from what he looks like now. They could have had him. I mean, why hasn't baldness been handled by this time? It's 24th century, you know. That's a good point. Now, I'll tell you this, when but Gene Roddenberry would... was casting for this role, somebody said, we should look at this guy, Patrick Stewart. And uh, they were like, he was like, well, who is this guy? And he was like, oh, well, he's a Shakespearean actor. He's got a lot of stage credibility. He's English. So he'll have the, the accent. I think you'll like this. And they're like, okay, bring him in. They said, this guy's 40. I can't have a 40-year-old captain. And they said, and what is he, what is up with his hair? He said, well, he was wearing a rug because it's like, well, I can't have a bald, a bald captain. So they, they did the, uh, they did the audition and he said, I don't know. Something about this doesn't work right. And they said, let's talk to him again, but have him take the rug off. He comes in, does the audition bald. And he was like, you know what? I think we can do this. I think this is our guy right here. Just panned out. Because, of course, he had the sci-fi background of having played Gurney Hannock, Hall- Gurney Halleck sorry, in Dune. He's got those shifty eyes, man, that he knows something that they don't know. Who, Commander Tomalock? Yep. 
Or I guess he's an admiral here, Admiral Tomalak. That man is uh, Andreas Katsoulis, who was the one-armed man in the Fugitive movie. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. And he co- he shows up again and again and again. He is a he is probably the one and only recurring villain in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Other than Q. <laughs> oh well, hey man, that's a really good point. Yeah, Q is kind of a he's villain, not, but he's not a villain. He's just a monkey wrench, and if you don't figure it out, you're fucked. Yeah. What kind of ship model is that? Is that a New Orleans class? Well, whatever it is, it's it's just engineered to put everyone. But think about the writing on this. Like, yeah. You're 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 watching this, and and you're you're through uh, Frank's eyes on this. Yeah. Right. And and you can see how uncomfortable he is, even in the simulation. He doesn't know he's in that. He's supposed to sit in that seat. I know. Yeah. That geode in the background, that amethyst geode, is phenomenal. That's like a $5,000 geode, I think. That's just a ridiculous piece of geology. And it's well lit. Like, look at the way this scene is yeah. lit, too. I almost thought it was like a window. I'm, I'm, I'm not sound ignorant, but I thought that was a window at first. Trying to remember if we sold that costume. I feel like we did. To some Russian guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's totally the kid from G-Mon. Yeah, he got more episodes out of Dream On than most anything else he did. He did a lot of guest special guest star roles, and then he was in like a Jules Verne TV series for a minute. I feel like this is a missed opportunity because Riker goes to the planet. He meets that kid that shows him. He's basically the newt. Like he meets that kid that's like the newt of the planet from Aliens. <laughs> why? Why not have it be his son to help him? Like you know, go through that. I mean, the men had to make a, obviously make a couple of tweaks that that he's there with this kid that somehow is figuring out the the catacombs because he might be able to fit into it. Because yeah. obviously, like I said, it it's the newt. I feel like that kid, the the fake yeah. alien, is is the newt. But um, to exp- if if the Romulans can really get into their brain and anticipate where things are going to be in X amount of years, that Riker wouldn't have the same uh, vulnerability that he had with his own son that he had when he had that tete a tete with his dad. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. You, you hear what I'm saying? Remember they they had the gladiator fight, like uh-huh. uh, or ninja fight, and, and uh, what, what, ambo jitsu. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Why not have replicate that? You know, like I told you, I can do this, Dad, and you know, oh, really have them fight ambo jitsu style. Yeah, or yeah, exactly. Like, oh, that like nuts. Have some sort of similar altercation between him and his supposed son who can somehow figure out like the the catacombs and the the vents um and and this is where they're touching on it right now right now he's like he's talking about his dad but like that's one of the best parts about Riker is his problem his daddy issues but it's not a bad thing like we're like he's crippled by it I just feel it's a missed opportunity. I think you're right. I mean, what are we exploring in this episode? There's a gimmick here. And I think that the thing that we aren't really focusing on is that, yeah, you're right. Riker is not ready to be a father. And the kid, the alien boy, is insinuating himself into that position only because he knows that it would automatically endear them to one another. Agreed. Agreed. But if, if him and his boy had been trapped on the planet in the simulation and the boy starts figuring things out better than him and he still thinks he's he's like it's still 12 years in the future or whatever it is and then he finds out it's not real, it would have really broken him 10 times further as a person than finding out that the kid is a 
an alien pretending to be whoever he's supposed to be. And if it was his son, it would have had some severe emotional repercussions and made a way better episode uh, in terms of uh, the um, Romulans infiltrating his brain. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's all I got. But that's what we do. We're minefields. We're dangerous. <laughs> Yeah. Two years difference, though. I think, unfortunately, there's a failure here in acting and the pacing because if you're going to ask somebody about about their dead wife or your dead mother, you know, it's you got to yeah. slow it down. I mean, if they would if they would have written it the way we want it to, this should have been a two parter. Yeah, kind of. Because honestly, if we, if, everything kind of stops for me at a certain point. When they agreed. get out of this scenario, everything pretty much stops for me. Like it's it's still compelling to see Romulans doing anything, but when they find when he finally gets the cat out of the bag proper. That's a whole different deal. Agreed, but if they if they'd have made this a two parter, written the way we we were we were saying, where instead of encountering that kid running around the vents, it was him and his boy. We could have been fully invested for a week, an entire week, that this is where it's happening. You know where they did this better? The Tell freaking GI Joe cartoon, and it was a two parter, even though it was only twenty minute episodes. So. Um, the trick was that shipwreck got like some some horrible situation took took place and shipwreck was in a coma in Springfield, the town that Cobra controls in like Missouri. And, and everyone everyone is a everyone's a Cobra officer. Exactly, even, but they were all even like, the random guys. They were called I like remember that one simuloids or something because they all melted at the end and stuff like that. But they did the same thing. They put gray in his beard. And he'd been married and he had kids and like most of the Joe team got killed when they when the USS flag sank in battle and uh, he was no longer uh, in the military and stuff. But he had these headaches and they kept trying to get the location of the G.I. Joe base or whatever it was from him. And that was all based off of another story about how uh, I was like. I feel like James Garner did a story like this once too, but I cannot recall it. Was it a Twilight Zone? It's a very Twilight Zone story concept. I, yeah. I, I, I like you're you're ringing like three bells in my head right now, brother. Yeah. Where did you get that scar in battle? <laughs> Shoot. Can't. I would have started murdering everyone right away. <laughs> <laughs> just going a stabbing spree. <laughs> yep, yep. You're not you. Ooh. Wait a like, and like those lines are not chosen arbitrarily. No. You can't just tell the the captain to shut up. This is beautiful special effects work right oh, here. Oh, yeah, because it's frozen. Everyone else is frozen while everyone else is running through. It oh. was just him on the green yep. screen. So they filmed that plate, but it wasn't a plate because a plate shot has no movement. Okay, so the, the Romulan holodeck there, that we had lots and lots of little pieces of. So I managed to try, managed to be able to piece, okay, well, here's, I'm, I, I can't make the whole thing. 
So what I can do is I can auction off pieces of it. So here's part of the Romulan holodeck. Now it's not this. It was miniaturization of those glowing light panels that you're looking at. Yeah. And you notice the Romulan script painted in back there. That's kind of cool. Uh, but a lot of neon. Uh, yeah, neon is. Those those had have been broken. I don't know if that's actually neon. I think that's prop. No, I think it is neon now. There's another way you could do that if those things are translucent and then painted, but that's also a total beast to try to pull off. <coughs> Excuse me. So if you notice, look on his back here, Tomalock's back, right in the center yeah, where y. the uh, Sam Brown belt comes together. At every joint, there is a molded resin Romulan Star Empire logo, even on the back. I see it. <coughs> and then I don't on know. On the if- shoulders, uh, from ear to ear, on middle chest, back to the very back of his uh, bottom back. Yep. Now, usually if you're looking at Romulans, and uh, I don't think they, you know, it was an amorphous thing. They just never really were like, oh, this is how we're doing Romulans, period. Um, we used to have a sketch that showed costumers how Romulans needed to look. So Romulans have communicators, just like Starfleet does, but it's a molded resin uh, bar that has a has a I don't know, like a little depiction on it that is velcroed to their sleeve. Uh, and it's not the big draping sleeve that he's got. It'll be the one that's on the thing. So, like, Romulan uniforms were really just trousers and boots and then this overcoat and then the Sam Brown belt that they're wearing, which is all just cut-up Drydex. You actually, if you have that stuff laid out somewhere in a sheet, like at a restaurant, it separates you from the floor so you don't slip. Or you put it down in a freezer and so they right. saw this, and they were like, cool, this has got a lot of texture. Let's cut it up, and then we're going to weave through this leather strips or vinyl or whatever that is. And they give it a little a little paint of copper. They were very simple. So, you know, the but it actors worked. could wear whatever they wanted to underneath it. You know, you're still wearing trousers, but uh, there was that. And then maybe not this episode is the best place to look, but uh, maybe the one where... Uh, Counselor Troy is pretending to be a Romulan. You see rank, Romulan rank, uh, stitched into their collars in that episode. Man, they put a lot of thought and effort in this episode. Yeah, they did. It's kind of diff- it's kind of convoluted, but in the end, it's it's like I say, you know, everything just kind of stops for me here. It moves fast. It moves fast, and you realize, wait a minute, we've got ten minutes left. <laughs> I know. You, you, we get here, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe there's still more, that much more to this. But I, I do love the disjointedness of someone that is that intelligent as a Starfleet officer, and that is so important to me. A Starfleet officer will always question and will always do what's best yeah. for Starfleet especially anyone on the enterprise he could have given in any of these assholes would have given in that like put in that situation they would have given up secrets without knowing but Riker was questioning every little thing like he didn't give up and goddamn that's one of the best parts about Star Trek yeah even if this kid is fake he was still going to help him oh of course i mean one or another st- that kid still and the kid's telling him he's, you know, a feder a member. He's a Federation citizen, so of course he's yeah. going to try to help this kid. But kid could be broken under torture, and then whatever, you know. This could all be a lie, and it is. Of course, it's not. It's, is it a Romulan lie or is it a something else lie? You know. And that's the same kid from earlier, right? Oh yeah, totally. They just changed his hair and. Give just brushed it down. Almost cooler outfits, I think. Give him some bangs. <laughs> Weakest. <laughs> I cannot hook believe ever. that kid just punched a Romulan out. I wonder if that was Tom Morga. <laughs> Tom Morga is one of my favorite stuntmen. Favorite Trek stuntmen for sure. 
Real sweet guy. I imagine that Romulans don't have stun on their phasers. No, they use disruptors, and it's always questionable as to whether or not there's a stun setting on a dis- on a disruptor, like a Klingon or Romulan disruptor. They've all got that, I'm four years old and my mom cut my hair for me haircut. Yeah, it's kind of weird because even the civilian Romulans have that hairstyle. If I was writing this, I would have given the Romulans Mohawks. Not to make them look cool, but because the Romulans are renegade warriors. They're not like people with honor the way the Klingons are. It's kind of interesting you say that. Like there was a no- there was a series of novels that came out uh, some time ago, and like the Romulans are into carrying around katanas in those books. And I was like, they called them like honor blades. And I was like, who wrote that? Like, have you seen the series? I I, I don't know what the deal is. And then that permeated into some other things that the authors like to stick with interesting things that other authors have done lend some aspect of credibility. Whoa, paper. <laughs> yeah, Sketching paper. stuff out on paper. It, with precise... <laughs> yeah. With, with precise rulings. I just happened to... <laughs> yeah, I love your right angles, kid. Yeah. Way to go. You definitely took a drafting course. He, like, tucks it into a, a tube <laughs> to protect it. That'd have been greater. This kid knows way, way too much about stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, but and he, he's he's sensing it. But even then, like, I wish they would have had a little bit more uh, water, like skipping skipping a rock reverberations. That Riker would probably be a fucking killer dad. Oh yeah, totally. The thing and, is that he's. He's very, very career-driven. You go back and think about season one and all of those times they keep offering him a command chair, but they get away from that. They decide not to do that anymore, and it turns into, you know, he's the commander, and he's going to stay that way. I'm just saying that the, the career-driven people always question whether they would be a good dad or, or mother. And especially if they get to his age, uh, supposedly in this episode, whether or not it would be worthwhile. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And There's that would be that something... that Riker wouldn't be a good dad. Oh, but I would love to see that be explored... Like, uh, even is just as a, a little bit of accent spice to an episode. <laughs> accent you can't do any yeah. worse than Worf. <laughs> Alexander, you're an extreme disappointment to me. <laughs> uh, dead. <laughs> now, I gotta say, after all the, like, there's a lot of, I don't know, we thought this episode was amazing when we were a lot younger and we watched it every time it was on where it's like it was a gift that it was on when you didn't just have the internet and or this you know we'd have it recorded on vhs and then we would tape over it next week for the next episode or whatever my dad yeah, would be like because we were watching this at we were recording these at 10 30 on a sunday night so it was a school night my dad would record them and then we would watch them with him later and talk about it and stuff so if we had this one recorded for some reason, my name, my one of my best friends back then, Jay, we always talked about this episode because it was just cool. And cool uh, enough to cool enough to give this kid his own action figure. I mean, because there was a thousand oh, points playmate figures. Well, I'll tell you what. Not only think about what that action figure looks like, and think of look, watch him in a second when he turns into this. I had from the collection. I had the feet. Not the hands, and then I had the head and the uh, the um, the drapery or whatever you want to say that he's wearing. So I've got a photo of me on my Facebook. You can check out, and in fact, I'll send it to you. And uh, it's me like 
kind of giving the head of the alien here, Barash, a little a little hug. That's awesome. Anything. You just feel for this poor alien, and it's wacky thinking, like, how the hell long has this kid been hiding out here? Hundreds, thousands of years, and it's still a kid? It's just an unfortunate thing, you know? Uh, solitary confinement, no matter how big the room you're in, without interaction. Yeah. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, solitary confinement. Great practical effects. Yeah. Not the best alien, but still, I still love it. It's the only time we ever really see an alien that looks like that. The classic, you know, attempt at a gray. To the transport. I love it. I love the dramatic border transport. Whatever yeah. the transport, when, when, when it's wrapping up. And you think about this. The Enterprise shows up and retrieves this kid, this kid who's been afraid for so long and doesn't know what's going on with the rest of the universe. And it's the it's like... I exit full screen. Sorry. It's it's like, what do you get? You know, you're, you're going to the best possible place, the best possible ship with the best people, you know? Everything's going to be fine. You just got rescued by that, the USS Enterprise D. That is something we need to keep in mind at all times. Anytime we, I, I think it, we're going to get to the point where we're going to have to do every single one because <laughs> it, it's, it's too much fun, but that's like, I, I was telling uh, one of my friends the other day that what I like about Star Trek, and we've talked about this before, it's absolute like the real the real true purpose of yeah they're exploring but while you explore and you interact with different civilizations and species the true purpose of it is to figure out a way to perfectly communicate where there's no war or or, or sort of some sort of strife i mean it, obviously it's a it's an action series sci-fi so there's going to be a little bit of strife you know they meet these guys they duke it out for a bit but then when you figure out where they're coming from to really truly true blue put yourself in their boots in their shoes and understand where they're coming from to meet a mutually beneficial agreement without using each other mm-hmm. that that's something skeezy or something like that. It, it's it's all about complete, perfect communication. And that's one of my favorite parts about Star Trek. Just how do we figure – and like we, we, we talked about uh, – what was the one uh, we, we recorded last time? Um, um, Darmoth. Darmok. 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 Uh, what a perfect way for me to hammer that idea home you just can't figure out what they're talking about but they they're not talking in absolutes they're talking to metaphors and then when yeah. they figure out they're talking to metaphors and then and and then if you understand how people talk in metaphors that's when you understand shakespeare because shakespeare's all metaphors if you don't like talking to metaphors and 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 uh idyllic language that's stretched out then you're not going to like Shakespeare, but that's that doesn't mean you're not good at what you do as a literature historian or or someone that is a good writer. That's just not your cup of tea. But pure, unadulterated communication without violence or hatred. I'm sorry. I'm just. I don't know. I can be. I can be talking about something stupid or wrong. I'm sorry. Not at all. I think you're. I think you're there. I mean. Yeah. More often than not, the characters on this show are trying to solve things through discussion. They have meetings. They have a meeting room. You know, they have an observation room where they can go back and they can have a conference and discuss things. They're, they go to the ready room and they have a conversation. They, they solve things through, through discussion. Everybody's got an idea. 
the wharf gets shut down constantly. But <laughs> we should destroy them immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Blow up the moon, Captain. Uh, I don't think that's prudent right now, Mr. Wharf. But I <laughs> but still appreciate least... your Klingonness. Exactly. Like, like you need that sort of person that is ready to be extremely cautious. Yeah. And then you've got Troy, who is ready to like let's be friends. And then you've got uh, Riker, who is second in command. That he never second guesses his guesses uh, Picard, but he's always either the exclamation point or the we need to think this through. And you've yeah, got Crusher. True. And then you've got Crusher that's like, well, we need to incorporate the idea of biological like viruses or we got to be careful on that sort of point. But then you've got Data who is someone who isn't really who he is. Mm-hmm. You've got a kid. You've got uh, uh, I don't know. How how old is Guinan? Did they ever say? Oh, how old I, think Guinan she, is? I think she's like 500. But even then, she's got that wisdom. You've got this perfect Reservoir Dogs situation where they actually can pull everything off. I don't totally. know. Uh, that's what, I'm just. That's why I like Star Trek. Also, uh, I know we shouldn't violate the Prime Directive, but we should probably do it now. <laughs> do it now. And he's just like, woke up feeling cute, might violate the Prime Directive. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that stuff's been going on around and around. So, yeah, I I was pretty excited a second ago. I was on Memory Alpha looking at little details from this episode. And uh, when we would uh, move some of the material through the auction, sometimes people would link in. It would say something like, items from this episode were sold in auction by it's a wrap and it's like okay so i clicked it and it shows me a list it goes to a web page so for anybody who's interested if you're uh if you've heard me talk about this auction that i worked on in uh la um check out star trek prop collector.com all one word slash trek auctions and uh you're going to see everything we ever photographed, everything I ever wrote, everything we ever wrote. And uh, it's all there. And uh, it's just an, it's a, a huge amount of material. And frankly, I'm looking at Barash, the alien here. And I see that we sold his entire costume including his head and the little stilt feet he had that we didn't even see in the episode. And uh, I can't believe it. You could, you could, we didn't have the hands for some reason, but uh, only sold for 430 bucks. Wow. I, and then we sold the mold for $160 about uh, probably six months later or something like that. And um, yeah, I mean... The pictures, these guys that uh, collected everything that we did, all of our our research and everything we wrote and all of the photos have done us a great justice by doing so. And, um, uh, you know, I just want to say thanks to my buddy Brian out in L.A. who's still working for the company and uh, my friend Holly who worked there who sort of disappeared off the face of the earth, but I figured out she's a <clears throat> she's a script supervisor now. And then there was Dennis, who joined the Navy, and um, Alicia, who was our photographer, who also didn't have a big internet footprint, so just disappeared. And there's, uh, there was Tiara and Dominic, who ran the company, and uh, our good friend Javier, who was in charge of packing up all of the things that got out to everybody, so... Anybody who's interested in that, you know, throw me some uh, questions, some email, and uh, we'll see what I can what I can remember. The Colin and Joshua Minefields Comics Podcast dot com. Yeah, that is a complicated. <laughs> that's still that's like uh, <laughs> we, we we need it. We need an easier like <laughs> easier URL. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Look at all these props. 
man, we've got some shit done today, man. Like I, I like today was my, or the, uh, the past few days was the first time in the past two and a half years that I've had a, a job or because my, my uh, schedule changed where I'm now, I've got Saturdays and Sundays off and I spent the weekend with my girlfriend and the, t- this, this night recording podcasts, watching uh, wrestling, just, I honestly feel like it just had like a week long vacation. Oh yeah. That's a lot of material that we did. Yeah. We, we kicked some ass and we really appreciate all you uh, listeners UMFers and uh, thank you so much for calling this out. <laughs> Still think that's funny. It's great. You you coined it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Yeah, we, I really appreciate it. Uh, we will talk to you all again soon. Let us know if you have any questions or thoughts on uh, the episode Future Imperfect or anything else for that matter. Uh, we'd be glad to hear from you. But uh, we're going to quit being dangerous now and uh, I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm tired, man. I love it. <laughs> love you too, man. All right, we'll You're talk my to you all friend. later. You're my best friend. <laughs> love you, man. Bye.